This is episode number 69 with business transformation coach Jeff Chastain. Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. Before we drop into the episode, a quick message from our sponsor, 919 Marketing. I've worked with 919 Marketing for years and there's no one I trust more with my marketing needs in any of our businesses. I've worked with them in our franchise businesses, in my consulting business. I've worked with them on the franchisor side. And I love working with 919 because they take the time to listen. They take the time to understand what it is I'm looking to accomplish through my marketing, who I'm trying to reach, and then they help me put a plan together to do just that. I've worked with tons of marketing companies over the years, and too often it's a one-size-fits-all approach, but not with 919 Marketing. In addition to that, they've developed some amazing technology called 919 Insights, franchising's first and only AI-powered analytics platform. With 919 Insights in place, 919 Marketing can identify the exact topics that matter to your franchise candidates and provide the specific roadmap to help your brand become the highest ranking and most trusted resource when they're searching for answers. So if you're ready to start getting better results from your marketing, and if you want a free demo of 919 Insights, reach out to Graham Chapman at 919-459-8157 or send them an email at gchapman at 919marketing.com to schedule your free demo today. So whether you're a franchisor, a franchisee, or just getting started in your first franchise business, make sure to check out 919 Marketing and tell them West Barefoot sent you. Now. Let's drop into the episode. Hey, what's up, everyone? Excited to bring this episode to you today with my guest, Jeff Chastain. Jeff is a business transformation coach. And what Jeff does is he works with business leaders. He works with their executive teams, really with two goals in mind. First, to help them gain clarity in their business. And then secondly, to help them get more of what they want out of their business. And that's why I wanted to have Jeff come on the show because I've experienced it. I've worked with people that have experienced this and, and are maybe even currently experiencing this where they decide to get into business for one reason. Usually that involves uh, something along the lines of wanting more freedom, wanting more control, uh, better quality of life. And far too often, small business owners end up getting exactly the opposite of that. They end up being a slave to their business versus having a business that works for them even when they're not working. And so this is exactly what Jeff focuses on with his clients. He helps them set up the systems and processes that are necessary 
to really scale their business so that they themselves as an owner and even their leadership teams are not having to try to do it all themselves. So tons of good information in this episode, whether you're already in business for yourself, whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, Jeff shares a lot of really good advice and some of the tactics and strategies that he implements with his clients. So make sure to tune in for this great episode with Jeff Chastain. Let's drop in. talk about one of my favorite topics, which is scalability, right? And uh, I've, you know, you and I've had a chance to talk before we're recording this. So I shared a little bit of what I do with the clients that I work with. You know, I help them, uh, number one, decide if business ownership's right for them. Um, I specialize in franchising, but this is always a topic that I really try to help people get clear on before we go out and start looking at specific franchise businesses you know, do you want a business that's designed to be more scalable or do you want something that's maybe going to be a little smaller, less moving parts and pieces? And and that's an important thing. Most people, you know, want something that they can scale, but it's not as easy as it sounds. Uh, So I know that's a big part, not all, but part of what you help your clients with. But before I steal too much of your thunder, why don't you kind of introduce yourself to the audience, those that aren't familiar uh, with you, tell them a little bit about yourself, what you specialize in, and and how you got to where you are today. Sure, happy to. Yeah, again, I've been, I'd say, probably 15 years now in the the entrepreneurial kind of world. So really, the other side of your coin, right there. But honestly, like I said, as as we talked, I, I learned even more about the franchise stuff even there. But it's it's so many similarities, even though it's like I said, two different sides of the coin there. Mm-hmm. But I've been in that world for about 15 years now. Left corporate America just. Wanted to do my own thing. Wanted to do things my way, et cetera, kind of thing. Got tired of the, the corporate politics, et cetera. Yeah. And spent a number of years just in consulting world before, um, I'm trying to think, what was the date? Well, roughly 2007, got with a business partner, said, hey, instead of trading time for dollars in the, in the consulting world, let's go build a company. Let's go start an IT MSP uh, services firm at that point. We were both technology experts, knew anything and everything from Computers, networks, cloud computing was still fairly new at that point, but had Mm -hmm. all the expertise from a technology standpoint. Dove right on in, went out and got the the SBA loan, everything that you're supposed to get, et cetera, for starting a new business and figured out pretty quickly, there's a lot more to starting a business or running a business than just knowing your lane, your your specialty right there. Yep. So I always kind of joke and describe it as we spent a lot of, we spent probably two or three years throwing darts and saying, hey, let's try this marketing channel. Let's try this salesperson. Let's try outsource sales this time. Let's try this. Let's try this. Didn't necessarily invest in anything long enough to actually have it pay off real returns because honestly, we didn't have the expertise anywhere. We were just trying things, trying to get the wheels moving there. And after almost just shy of four years, ended up pulling the plug on it just because we'd burned through all of our resources at that point. But what it really left me with was sitting there saying, okay, you look at the statistics of, of businesses out there, especially on the entrepreneurial kind of side, saying that, uh, I forget I forget where I saw the statistics, that if you go the franchise route, like you've got typically a 90 plus percentile success rate. You go the entrepreneurial route, it's typically less than a 10% success rate. It's like, yeah. okay, why is the difference? What, what's the difference between those two? And obviously, what did we miss in trying to build this company? And took it on my own journey at that point to 
really kind of figure that out. And this is where I really started making that transition from what I refer to as consulting versus coaching to say, okay, mm-hmm. let's go look at the coaching side of honestly, what it comes down to is the foundation of the business that, you know, this, we talked about it before kind of thing. You go into McDonald's or some of these other franchises, you go through McDonald's university, they give you, here's the book on running a McDonald's franchise, top to bottom, how you lay out the store, who to hire suppliers, everything you need to know. You don't have to be an expert right there. You got the book to sit there and read it. Yet when you go launch your accounting firm or your legal firm or your IT firm, nobody gives you the book. You're, you're, you're out there kind of just winging it. And on one hand, yeah, your cost entry is a whole lot lower. And I almost think that's a detriment that it's, it's so easy to get into business and figure out you don't know what you're doing at all here from running a business. You may know your specialty, but building and running and scaling a business, whole nother level at that point. So that's really where I've made it my passion, my mission to say, okay, how to help entrepreneurs build a profitable, build a scalable and ultimately a saleable business at that point. Yeah. Well, that's a good point, right? Something that you can actually sell if and when you're ready to, because that's something that a lot of small business owners you know, run into is the way they build their business. It all revolves around them. They're a bottleneck. And you know, if they get to the point where they're like, hey, I'm ready to, to sell this and retire or go do something else, any halfway educated buyer is going to figure that out really quickly. Like, hey, you right. as the, the owner of the business, it's, it's 90% you. And so you just devalued your, your business by like 90% unless you plan to stay on as an employee after you sell it, which most people are not going to do. And you bring up another interesting point too. I see this all the time when I connect with people and, and they're like, hey, this is, my, this is my expertise, right? This is what my background is in. So therefore, this must be the type of business I need to go start. And I mean, look, plenty of people have had success starting businesses with, with that uh, mentality. But what a lot of people find out the hard way is that there's a lot more that goes into building a business, especially scaling it. Usually that's going to, at some point, take you out of your lane. And, and that's where people usually you know, run into to challenges. So, um, and it happens in, in franchising too. Uh, for me, where I can really help people is, is I can help them go about buying a franchise the right way because usually people just aren't, aren't thinking about it the right way. They aren't thinking about some of these things uh, ahead of time. But you know, there's a lot of people out there that that are, I believe are too entrepreneurial for a franchise. And so, you know, I say it all the time on the podcast, franchising is not right for everyone. I'm not of the opinion that if you want to start a business, it, it should be a franchise. Wes here. You may have noticed there's a franchising theme to this podcast. And that's because franchising has had a massive impact on my life. And it's the very reason I'm walking my own path to freedom. In fact, one of my companies is a franchise consulting company where I work with people to help them understand franchising and determine if it might be a good fit for them. And if it is something they want to explore, then I help them navigate the entire investigative process and ultimately find a franchise business that's a great match for them. You know, the fact of the matter is there are thousands and thousands of franchise businesses out there today. And like anything, there are good ones and there are bad ones. Even out of the many, many great franchise companies, not every one of them would necessarily be a good fit for you. You know, buying a franchise is a huge decision and you don't want to wing it. 
I've helped many people buy franchise businesses over the years, and my wife and I have bought and own franchises today, and we plan to keep investing in franchise businesses. I love helping people understand this process and help them find a business that's going to be a great fit for them and help them accomplish their goals and ultimately create that freedom in their life that we're all looking for. The best part of all of this is that my services are free to the people I work with. And while I do love to contribute to charities and other great causes, I'm not a nonprofit. I'm compensated by the franchise companies I work with when I introduce them to someone that ends up becoming one of their franchisees. It's very similar to real estate, but with franchises. I have the privilege of working with hundreds and hundreds of the best franchise companies out there across practically every industry. So I can be absolutely confident that when I recommend someone to look at a franchise company, I'm introducing them to a very credible and proven company with a solid business model and great support. So if you think you might be interested in learning more about franchising and seeing if it might be right for you, I'd love to speak with you. Get in touch with me by email at wes at path2freedom.com, path, the number two, frdm.com. And also check out my website at pathtofreedom.com, spelled the same way, where I've got a ton of resources, both franchise and non-franchise related, that will help you start down your own path to freedom. And of course, subscribe to and follow the podcast for more great advice about business ownership. And if you know anyone else that might be interested in speaking with me, please share this podcast with them. Thanks for listening to my shameless plug. Now let's drop back into the episode. I mean, tell us a little bit more about the the clients that you coach. What types of, do you have kind of a, uh, a specialty in terms of the, the types of businesses, size businesses, et cetera? No, it's actually kind of interesting because I always have people ask me that. It's like, okay, what's, what's your industry focus? And I, I kind of joke about it. It's like, don't fire me right off the bat. I can describe your business here in about 15 seconds that you've got a sale or you've got a marketing function to go out and bring in new leads, generate awareness. You've got a sales function to convert those leads into customers. You got an operations function to deliver a product, deliver a service, and mm-hmm. you got a finance function to hopefully collect some money on the back end for all that. Yeah. And yes, hopefully you've got some uniqueness built on top of that, that you got a differentiator. And, and we talk about that and say, okay, how do you differentiate from your competitors? But the reality is the more you can strengthen that foundation of the basically the process, the flow, the foundation of, okay, how do we move that customer from one end of the business to the other? repeatable. How can we scale that? How can we mm-hmm. grow that to be beyond just me as a job sitting here doing this? That's where the business scales. And like I said, that, that it's, I always have people, ah, my business is unique. It's like, no, it's <laughs> unfortunately, no, it's not really. It's at the foundation level. It's really not. And if you can improve that foundation, that really works. So my, my passion has always been with that earlier stage entrepreneur. So still early in business kind of a thing. They haven't necessarily built up a whole lot of bad habits yet. They're still probably under the 10, 15 employees. There's, they're, they're still doing a lot of it themselves. Yeah. And it's one of those things of saying, okay, we've got to start figuring out how to take at least one of the 50 hats you're wearing off and start handing it off to turn this from being just a job into a real company, into something that can really grow and really scale. And that's, so that's really my passion right there with those individuals. Again, early stage, industry is completely wide open. I, I've yet to find an industry where it, it was really that radically different. That it's like, okay, the, these kind of tools, these kind of ideas don't apply. No, I, I that makes perfect sense to me because, you know, again, with franchising, I work with companies in, in all different industries. 
where, you know, the product or the service can be very different, but, you know, universally the same best practices to, to structuring a business the right way and building that foundation so that it is scalable. It, it's all pretty, pretty basic, right? Or, or not, maybe not basic, but it all, it all translates, right? Regardless of what the business is, what you do, even how you do it necessarily. Oh, exactly. And, yeah. And I think for the the types of companies that you're working with, it's a much needed service, right? Having someone come in, and I think there's a lot of value in having a third party uh, that's not so in it uh, every single day. You know, that's a little bit further removed that can kind of, you know, have that bird's eye view to say, no, this is this is where you're off a little bit. This is where you need to to restructure. Um, I think it's very needed, and. I would imagine on on one hand, it's a little bit easier to work with some of these earlier stage companies because, as you said, they don't have as many bad habits. They're not so big and so complex yet that change takes forever. But on the other hand, it's probably very challenging because I know lots of business owners, am a business owner. It's hard to give things up as a business owner. And I imagine a lot of your coaching revolves around, hey, you're doing too much yourself. You got to delegate. You got to you got to outsource some things, whatever the case is. And, and you know, that's hard for <laughs> for most entrepreneurs. It, it really is. It's interesting that it's because I, I do a podcast as well. And we do a lot of business owner interviews saying, OK, what, what's been your journey like? What, how have you grown and scaled this? And without any prompting, almost every one of them comes back to delegation is one of the biggest challenges to get over. So it's, I get it. I've been there kind of a thing. I know it's hard. And especially when it's in that lane of expertise, because that's, that's almost the problem like we hit on earlier. Sometimes you have to be that person. If you're a, if you're a lawyer, you're licensed, you're the only one that can do certain pieces of that business. You, you Mm -hmm. have to do that. But at the same time, even looking at that to say, okay, can I hand off the, the original contract or the initial contract creation and I can just do the final review and sign off? Things like that, that, okay, yeah, you can start handing some of this off, but honestly, it's busy work at that point. You can get somebody a lot cheaper to come in and do it. And if you spend one hour now on that contract instead of four, hey, you can go turn four more hours into billable work at that point kind of thing. So it's it's definitely possible. But yeah, the the act of delegation in the first place and then the secondary part of not sitting there clawing it back, sitting there saying, hey, you didn't dot every I and every T exactly like I would have here. That, yeah, that's that's the hardest piece to me right there. Yeah, it's a struggle because because even if someone's doing it and getting good results, a lot of times there's that tendency, well, you're not doing it exactly like I would do it. So I think you got to kind of get comfortable you know, you want to train someone and you want them to follow the systems and processes that you've created, but they're still going to have a a slightly different style probably from how you would do it. And, and I mean, we've struggled with it in our businesses and, and I was fortunate because I, I pretty much grew up in franchising, got into it right out of college and, and just have had a lot of great mentors. And so I learned a long time ago that, you know, you can be very successful in a business when, when it's part of a good franchise system without knowing anything about the industry. And, and what it really boils down to is understanding you know, what is your role as the franchise owner designed to be? Because in most franchises, because they are designed to scale, the role is not as of the owner is not to be the guy or the gal out on the front lines providing the service or serving the product or or whatever the case is. So if you understand that, 
number one, it opens up the possibilities of what types of businesses you can get into. But like for us, you know, we own an insulation business and we own custom shelving, custom closet business. I'm like the least handy guy you'll ever meet. So I've never had the temptation to be like, well, you're not putting that insulation in right. So screw it. I'm going to go do it. Like, I don't know. I'm not doing it. But my wife, who who really is the one that's built our, our shelving business, she mastered the sales side of that business when we were starting it. And she has done a good job over the years of building out a sales team. But we've never had anyone that can sell better than her. And so that temptation for her to fall back into that sales role is always there. And 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 she does some of it just to stay close to it and, and she can train better and stuff. But, you know, it's been hard for her to kind of step back and and delegate that piece of it, knowing good and well that in all likelihood, it's not going to be done as well as she could do it. But you said something earlier, which I wanted to highlight because I, I really believe that you need to take this into consideration. You need to remember why'd you start a business in the first place? Did you did you get yourself another job in your own business, or are you looking for something that you can build and run at a higher level? Yeah, and it's granted with any business going into it. There's there's those early days when yeah you do have to do quite a bit, but having that longer term vision, that longer term plan to say, okay, this is where we're trying to get to. We may not be there today, but this is where we're trying to go to and working towards that. To me, that's, if, if you don't have a plan, I always, I always kind of equated, yeah, go jump in the car and just go for a drive somewhere. We have no idea where we're going, but at what point you're going to run out of gas at that point, you're probably still not going to reach there. You've got to have a destination. You've got to have something to sit there and aim for. And if that's a... It, there, there's definitely room for, I don't want to get people wrong. If, if, you, if you just want to have your own solo law firm, your own solo accounting firm, whatever, and you just want it to be you and that's it, more power to you kind of a thing. Go, go for yeah. it. Yeah. As long as you recognize that there's an inherent ceiling over that. There, there's mm-hmm. just only, there's only so many hours in the day. We, we can't manufacture more hours in the day. But if you've got a, a bigger picture vision, something bigger than that, the, hey, I want to have a law firm, but I also want to spend six months of the year over here on the beach doing whatever with my family. That's not probably going to be a solo practitioner law firm. That's going to have to be something bigger than you where you oversee the firm. Uh, again, I, I'm hitting on law, but it, it's it's whatever the industry there is. But yeah. you're going to have to say, hey, if that's my priority as a, a individual or as a business owner, there's that that dictates how we set up and how we structure this company. And it's going to involve most likely more than just you at that point. Yeah, no, it's it's a good point. Um, and and I yeah, I, I say it all the time is you got to get clear on what the goal is. Like, what what are you wanting to accomplish through owning a business? It, it could just be that, hey, I'm tired of working for someone else. I want to have a little more control of my schedule, you know, make a good income. But I don't care about, you know, building it and selling it and having, you know, a bunch of moving parts and pieces to manage and and that's out there. There's plenty of ways to get into it. There's franchise businesses out there that are structured that way can be a great option for a lot of people. You're talking to, you know, the, the entrepreneur that has that vision of, Hey, I want to build something that's bigger than just me. And and that can be for a variety of reasons. So, so, you know, you mentioned vision and I can only imagine that's something that, that, you know, like when you start working with a new client, that's got to be a starting point for you, right? Is, Hey, tell me, tell me the vision, but I mean, kind of walk us through, like, what is, what is your 
process with a, a new client that you take on look like? Where does it start? And and I know it's different for every client, but generally speaking, what does that process kind of look like? You know, it's, it's definitely different for everyone. And that's kind of what I, I even refer to as one of my differentiators is there's there's systems out there all over the place. There's honestly nothing new out there. But everything everything from a business standpoint, honestly, has been figured out already. It's just a matter today of finding that information because there's so much of it everywhere. But I, I, I look at it and say, hey, we're not out to build the, the orange box of EOS to fit you into kind of a thing here. I'm looking at building your system for you. So if that mm. takes components from EOS or from scaling up or from gate, gate, great game of business, if I can talk, whatever the case may be, we're looking to build your system, your approach here. And from working with a client, like you said, I, I look at it always as four areas of, uh, or four key pillars that build up any business foundation to say, okay, you got to have from a people standpoint, the right people sitting in the right seats at the right time. So you mm. need to know, okay, when are we going to hire? Who are we going to hire? Things like that. From the purpose standpoint, again, it touches back on vision to say, okay, two parts really looking at your culture as an organization, how do we build our culture rather than let it evolve itself? Mm. And then from a strategy standpoint, from a vision standpoint, how do we define who we are, where we're going as a company so that everybody can, one, get excited about it and buy into it, but mm -hmm. two, have a direction we're all headed rather than trying to splinter off and go different directions. The third part of it is simply looking at the playbook. So that's when... A lot of people talk about processes and systems. They're thinking just that playbook aspect to say, okay, this is how we deliver the system. This is how we fulfill an order. This is how we update the, keep the books up to date or whatever. That's definitely part of it there because that's where your scaling goes in. If you've got mm -hmm. everything in your head, you're not going to be able to sit there and scale very well. It's, it's to your point about your wife. You've got to have that documented out to say, okay, this is our sales funnel. This is what information we want to collect from a prospect in order to turn them easily into a customer and deliver the right information. So there's this defined set out there that hopefully she can say, okay, new sales rep, come on, here's our process. This is what I need you to do. And granted, they should have creativity latitude within that process. Sure. We're not trying to build a bunch of robots, but yeah. there's still certain deliverables, certain expectations we want to set with them. But that's the playbook side. And the last piece of it is the, the performance side to say, okay, as a business owner, I, I always describe it as you need to be able to sit out on a beach somewhere, no phone, no laptop, no connectivity. The waiter brings you one piece of paper here, one card's got 15, 20 numbers on it and the last 13 weeks of the history. You should be able to look at those numbers and say, red, yellow, green, is this on track? Is this, do we have an issue here or are we in trouble right here? And tell exactly where your business is. Again, it goes back to that micromanagement thing. I don't have to go sit in everybody's cube and ask them what's going on today. I can sit here and know, okay, there's the fire right there. We need to go to, to look at this issue. So from a getting started process, whatever, I, I do a kind of a broad, uh, the doctor's visit kind of a thing here. Let's ask okay. a bunch of questions. Let's look at this across the board, figure out, okay, where's the issues? Where's the real symptoms? And then great, okay, you don't have visibility in the company. Let's go look at the performance side. Let's go to see if we can put together some dashboards. Oh, you've got a rapid turnover in people. Okay, let's look at your, your culture. Let's look at your hiring processes, things like that. So the actual implementation process, very much different. Just sure. depends on, on who you are or what structure, what issues kind of a thing you're running into. But yeah. it, it, it all invariably falls under one of those four categories right there. Yeah, so you've got those four key pillars. And I want to highlight something that you said. Well, two things, really. One is 
as an owner, you've got to know your numbers, right? Because that's going to tell the true story. I like the example. You're on a beach. You look at one sheet of paper. You should know what's on track, what's off track, and, and what needs your attention. The other thing I want to highlight is you can't have it all in your head. you got to document the processes in order to scale. And the reason I wanted to highlight that is for purely selfish reasons. I'm going to send this clip to the GM in one of our businesses where you know, he's doing a good job. He's working really hard, but I had to tell him, I'm like, what if you got hit by a truck? Morbid. Yes. I hope it doesn't happen. But if you got hit by a truck, we're screwed because nothing's documented. We got, we got to get well, it the, on paper. Yeah. As I say, that, that's the example you hear a lot of times. The other way I'll look at it is literally from their perspective, they're holding themselves back. They can't be promoted. You can't promote them because they've got the information. How are we going to backfill their position right there? If it's all in their head. So yeah. they're, they're literally holding themselves back in your business at that point by not going through and documenting. People look at it and say, well, if I give away all this information, that decreases my value. It's like, no, it doesn't. It, it, it allows us to, to elevate you and bring more people in to support you at that point. Honestly, it allows us to, the, the key salesperson or whatever, allows us to clone you and grow the business at that point. So they're, they end up holding themselves back from that standpoint as well. Well, it's a great point. Um, it's a very good point. And this is an, you know, relatively new business that we started earlier this year. And, you know, we've built other businesses as we've already talked about, regardless of what the business does, the the best practices for, for growing a business apply. And so I'm trying to paint this picture for him of like, look, what we're doing may work today, but when this thing is doing three, four, five million dollars a year, imagine the size of the team that we're going to need in order to, to do that, it's going to be very different. And it's a lot harder to go back and, and put some of these systems and processes in place than it is to just set it up that way from, from the very beginning. It definitely is. And I always ask people, it's like, what, do we create a system? Do we document this or not? It's like, look at it from this perspective. Are you ever expecting to do this again? If you're going to do it twice, it's worth writing down. It's worth documenting at that point. Mm. Even at the small stage, if nothing else, it actually helps with the, the mental capacity, the mental brain power, because I don't have to remember, okay, did I do steps one, three, and seven this time? Because I've got it written down. There's a checklist here. Do these things in this order. There's a lot less thinking that goes into it. And oh, by the way, you get that consistency every time delivering it, even if it's simply you. I, I was actually, keep bringing up the lawyer. I've got a, a lawyer client I was talking to earlier. And he was like, yeah, I know you've done new business LLC agreements in your sleep at this point, kind of a thing. You, you do them all the time. It's no big deal, but there's still 20 different steps here that go into documenting, creating a new, forming a new LLC business. And the more you can sit there and document those, you just know that, Hey, I, I went to the checklist. It's a green light. I don't have to think about it or worry about it. Or, okay, again, did I hit this step and this step got them out of order or whatever? You don't have to think about it anymore because it is that checklist effectively. Yeah. Any any advice you give to your clients uh, or anyone out there listening that that has a business? I mean, I know something, you know, we've struggled with and I mean, in, in my consulting business and it's I I would relate it more to coaching than than consulting. But at the end of the day, I'm trading my time for money. If I'm not working, nothing's happening. Right. But I've got like an administrative person that helps me out. I've got some outsourced things and I, I procrastinated for for way too long on bringing in an admin person. And I knew good and well that, that 
assuming I got the right person and delegated the right things to them, it'd make my life easier and it would help me grow my business. But I put it off. And the reason I put it off was because, and, and maybe this is just the type of person that I am, but I am not a, a detailed person. So the thought of having to like sit down and put these processes on paper and, and then actually figure out how to train someone to do it was so daunting that I was like, I'm just going to keep doing it myself. And then finally, I was like, no, I'm going to record these training videos. I'm going to put this whole you know, document together so it, it takes them through it step by step. And once I did it and I offloaded some of that, it was like, why did I wait so long to do it? But I, I feel like that's a common challenge that, that business owners run into. So any advice or anything you do with your clients to, to maybe kind of expedite that or, or make it a little less painful of a process? Well, it's definitely a case of getting the ball rolling because once you yeah. do it, once you kind of get that muscle memory done, then yeah, it's a lot easier. But yeah, to your point, getting it started is, that's always the hardest thing. Just And I think really, honestly, people overthink it more than anything that we yeah. don't want. Yeah. We, we don't want a six inch thick SOP manual right there because one, you're never going to get around to writing it. Yep. And two, they don't want to read it anyway. So you're going to go <laughs> right. create this whole thing. It's going to sit on the bookshelf and collect dust here. We want to keep any of these processes really simple. I always refer to it kind of as a, a 2080 approach to say, okay, I don't need to document every single little mouse click or whatever in this thing. I need to document the high level peaks of saying, okay, what's going to get me, what are the key things that we absolutely have to have happen to get the result we want out of this process and leave the other percent, the other pieces in between, honestly, for their creativity, for them to fill in the gaps. Because yeah. I look at it from a, a sales process. It's like, okay, I don't want to sit here and dictate that my salespeople have to make 20 phone calls every day kind of a thing, because that may be great for one salesperson. The other salesperson says, no, I want to be out having coffee. I want to go out to a chamber group or whatever. So you're basically tying them to a process that doesn't fit their skills, their expertise, and thus for it's not going to work real well for them. So give them the flexibility because honestly, at the end of the day, I don't care whether they've made 20 calls or met five people at the networking group, as long as they've closed five deals. It's that that's the part I really care about the end result. Yeah. So getting to that end result with obviously the right pieces we need, that's the critical nature, not all the little intricacies, details. So keeping it simple to me is one of the biggest things. The other thing I'll look at and say, because a lot of people say, well, I don't even know where to start, but mm -hmm. where do I start documenting processes? What do I do kind of a thing? So we'll actually start there first off to say, okay, take a, just a notepad, something right next to you. And for the next week, two weeks, maybe literally write down everything you're doing that day. Because a lot of people say, well, I've been working all day, busy all day, no clue what I got done. Yeah. But sit there and just literally write down, what are, what are you doing? Are you spending time with clients? Are you spending time updating books? Are you updating a website? What are you doing kind of a thing there? And then we'll take that list and look at it and say, okay, what aspects of this list that you've been working on, one, generate revenue, mm. but then two, what do you enjoy doing and what are you good at versus the opposite in the spectrum? What do you not enjoy doing? What are you not good at? That, yeah, the books are not getting updated because you hate doing the books and you don't enjoy it. You're really not good at it. Great. Let's hire a bookkeeper. Forget the admin. Let's hire a bookkeeper at that point because that tells us, okay, where do we need to start delegating at that point? Yeah. That's kind of the other question people ask. Where do I start? Do I hire the admin? Do I hire the, the marketing person, the salesperson? Let's figure out where you're not good at, what's not getting done. 
and offload that piece of it first. And then yeah, I, once we get to that, I think you actually hit it on the head already. Again, whatever works best for you, but make a first pass at this process. Again, I always ask, okay, if you're going to do this a second time, we need to turn this into a process. So make a first pass, whether it's a, a screen recording of you sitting there doing something, whether it's just a simple outline checklist. Hey, I, I need to do this step, this step, this step, but then turn it actually over to that person yeah. that you're handing it to and say, okay, here's roughly what I do. Let's work together to figure out, okay, ask me questions. You go through this, figure out what I missed because in all likelihood, I missed something. I'm, I'm used to doing this and I forgot about that step or whatever. So it's more of a collaborative effort there with any of these processes. And I say that's really the long-term outlook of any processes. They should be up in a pick your technology platform or whatever these days, but up there accessible, visible to everybody, editable to where you can see kind of version histories and things modified. These shouldn't be etched in stone kind of a thing because business is going to change. Things are going to change. Hopefully these people you're bringing on have new ideas and new expertise. Yeah. They're going to contribute to these, but yeah. it needs to be out there exposed where, yes, this is a living document that we can work through, but it's to me, that's where it starts is really doing a simple pass yourself and then start involving those other people there because like I said, you, you don't want that six inch thick SOP manual. They it just won't work. Yeah. And, and if it's me, like it would just never, never get written. So, yeah. but, but I think that's really good advice, right? Which is like, just get started. It's probably not going to be perfect. The first, the first go through, assuming you've got the right person for the role, whether that's an admin person or, or whatever, they're going to likely have the right skill set. You're offloading it probably because it's not your skill set. Mm -hmm. So chances are they're going to find a better way to do it than how you've been doing it anyways. Right. Yeah. So instead of trying to say, look, this is the process. It's a rigid process. There's no changes to it. It's like, look, this is how I do it. This is the goal. This is the end result we're looking for. Take how I've been doing it and then make it your own. And, and chances are it's going to come out better. And, and it's got to be evolving. Right. I mean, we all know the lessons from history of companies that didn't evolve and, and what happened to them. So that applies to any size business out there. Um, I mean, what are, what are some of the other challenges that, that you run into with, with the clients that, that you're coaching? Well, it's especially dealing with the small ones. It tends to be really a lot of what we've been talking about, about the delegation side of who do I hire? When do I hire kind of a thing? And it's really, what you were talking about making sure the right resources are there. And to me, that's one of the biggest benefits today that's kind of seen the industry shift is that we've got a lot more of like the fractional type resources where yeah. you don't have to go out and hire a CFO that you can't afford for 150K a year or whatever. Fractional CFO, you can go bring on for a couple of hours a month or whatever, just to get you that extra knowledge right there, bring you that extra expertise that you don't have. But you can start initial early days there when you simply don't have the financial resources to go hire that many people. You can do it from a fractional standpoint a whole lot better. And it's it still amazes me almost daily as to how many, oh, there's a fractional in that industry. There's a fractional in that industry. It's like, it's practically everywhere these days. Yeah, And it just, it makes it so much easier from a financial standpoint to bring in the expertise rather than bringing in the the person that, yeah, I, I know what QuickBooks looks like. It's like, okay, that's probably not going to be the best person for your books here. And you're going to have to train them versus the other way around. So that makes those that process development a lot harder if you're having to literally train the skills at the same time. So yeah, figuring out kind of that people plan to say, okay, what is an ideal structure of our business look like? Who's the next person? What's the right time to go hire that person? 
is typically that and figuring out the process piece is, is really the two areas that we're working with most of the time. Most small businesses are so focused on the tactical. When I start talking strategy, they kind of look at it as I don't have time for that, but I, I kind of weave some of that in anyway. It's like, okay, you've got to still have, you just got to have still have that roadmap, that plan that we were talking about early on, no matter what. But yeah, they tend to focus more on the the tactical side of, of the playbook, of the delegation of the people, et cetera. How do, how do we get beyond just me working 80 hours a week right now? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> I'm curious, what, how do you help a client figure out when is the right time to, to hire someone? Because I know that's been hard in our businesses. I know a lot of people I've worked with over the years that now own businesses. It's a challenge. You, you may even know, all right, this is the next person I need to go out and hire. But knowing when to pull the trigger and, and actually bring someone in can be tough. And like it's happened to us where we've waited too long now we're behind the eight ball because we didn't go ahead and hire someone. And then you're in a tough spot where you're either, you know, trying to, to play catch up or you rush and then potentially make a bad hiring decision. And, you know, especially for smaller businesses, if they're early stage cash flow is, is so important. Um, so it can be very challenging, even if you're like, yeah, I know for certain we need a salesperson right now and that'd be a game changer, but, knowing exactly when the right time to start looking and then to actually, you know, make an offer and bring someone one on. It's, it's harder than it sounds at surface level. Oh, it, it definitely is. And it, to me, that actually goes back down the strategy path because I, I'll look mm -hmm. at it and say, okay, we need to picture what, what is our company going to look like in a year from now or two years from now, kind of a thing there and literally draw out. You, you look at it as an org chart, but still a fictional, structure of the company to say, okay, if we're really going to meet our goals here in the next year or the next two years to deliver how many customers, whatever your goals are kind of a thing, we're going to need all these different pieces here. So mm -hmm. you can actually go through and identify, okay, we're going to need, we're going to call it two sales reps. We're going to need the bookkeeper. We're going to need another person on the line and operations. We're going to need whatever pieces are here to where you kind of outline that all together to where we know big picture what's going on here just within the short term at that point. But then from a timing perspective, to me, it's 100% numbers based. So okay. again, it's, it's running the business on the numbers. Do you really understand that journey going through from a client perspective, or a customer perspective to say, okay, where's the bottlenecks happening right now? Have we got more leads that are falling out of the funnel because we don't have sales following up on them? Are we getting sales closed and our delivery fulfillment timeline is getting longer and longer because we don't have the people on, on the operations line to do that. So it's really running that off of the numbers to make those decisions to say, okay, hopefully you've got them leading numbers again to be able to say, okay, I can see this trend happening. I can see this starting to happen so that I know I need to start looking at another line hire or another salesperson or other, rather than waiting until, hey, we've got a dozen customers mad at us because their orders are six months over late kind of a thing right there. That's, that's too late at that point. We got to, we got to figure this out beforehand. So to me, it's, it's running by numbers, but it's running on the leading numbers to say, okay, these help me see the future at that point. Yeah. And figure out, okay, who to hire, when to hire, et cetera, at that point from those numbers. Yeah. I think it's one of the, the biggest things we've learned is, you know, I refer to it as contribution margin, right? So if it's a salesperson you need to hire, it's like, okay, well, you know, whatever the comp plan is going to be, chances are there's, there's some commission involved or some performance component. But if there's, you know, guaranteed pay involved in that, it's like, all right, 
what's it going to cost us to have this salesperson on? So how much additional revenue do they need to be able to generate to not only pay for themselves, but to make it worth it? Uh, I mean, the, the same thing can be applied if it's purchasing a new truck, right? Or, or a new piece of equipment. It's, you know, what does this need to help us increase our revenue to, to, to cover the cost? And there may be an investment up front, but if you're going by the numbers, you should have a plan of, all right, by bringing this resource in or bringing this person in, you know, this is what it needs to elevate our business to in order for it to, to be a worthwhile investment. And I don't necessarily know that it always has to go to top line revenue. It can go, I always say, forget top line revenue, look at profitability to say, okay, can we be yeah. more efficient by hiring sure. somebody else? They don't necessarily bring in more top revenue, but maybe we've got less cost out of doing that. Sure. But it's yeah. it's really from, and I, and I the the way you mentioned it to say, okay, the, the amount that this person's costing us versus the revenue that I, I actually think that's part of the discussion with that individual. They, they need to understand, okay, here's what the company's in this for with me, with my role here. And here's where my expected numbers, my expected KPIs, again, everything goes by numbers at that point to say, okay, you and me as a manager employee kind of a thing, we know exactly what's being measured, what the measuring stick looks like, all this kind of stuff in our relationship here, rather than the the, the nice fluffy questions that we do for employee reviews and stuff like that, that really mean nothing. It's like, I, I truly have a understanding as to, okay, exactly what my key numbers are. I know exactly where I fit into the process, fit into the overall company. And for that matter, I, I even go as far as to say, okay, I understand as an employee where the company is overall from a growth perspective, from a financial perspective, things like that, that I've got a true picture, especially in a small business, but I've got a mm-hmm. true picture of what's going on here. Because honestly, that's, that's what drove me out of corporate America 15 plus years ago was, okay, I've got my little project here, but I got no clue how this fits into the bigger picture. I'm just here making widgets or whatever kind of a thing every day. It's like, okay, what does this matter? And when you're in a a small business, you don't have the resources to pay top dollar for these people. So you've got to have more engagement, more involvement than just being there for a paycheck. So yeah, having, having that kind of big picture visibility to them to say, okay, all the way down to what my role costs versus the big picture of the, what's going on in the company is, is absolutely key from a, a personnel side, from a people side right there to keep them engaged, make sure that they understand what's really going on. Yeah, I, I, I agree with all of that. I had a conversation with, with someone recently that, that works with very large uh, corporations, but his whole premise is to help these larger companies figure out how they can incorporate more of an entrepreneurial mindset and culture into their their organization and what the benefits of that can be but but he was saying the same thing and and I mean we've learned this the hard way in our businesses I mean when it comes to to hiring like so much of it comes down to setting the right expectations up front and I think you're exactly right like cut the fluff be like look we're paying you this so this is what we expect that you're going to generate whether and it doesn't have to be top line revenue because not not everyone's role is revenue generating in an organization, um, but we've had instances where you know we we had someone on one of our teams underperforming and we're like, God, you know they're just they they clearly don't get it. You finally sit down and have that hard conversation with them and and you realize 
they didn't even they didn't even know they weren't doing a good job. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> they, they, they truly don't get it. They, they, they didn't even see it coming. Yeah, they don't they don't get it. But it's because we didn't set the right expectations. It's not yeah. necessarily. And look, there's there's instances where you may have someone that just doesn't get it. Right. So maybe that means they're not the right person for that role or maybe they're not the right person for your organization. But you got to really, I think, look in the mirror as an owner and say, did we set the right expectations up front? Uh, and if you didn't, then at least some of the blame's on you if you've got someone that's underperforming because they don't even know what the target is, you know? Um, so we've we've learned that mistake the, the hard way. Um, and, and I am a big believer in, in helping everyone on the team see where they fit into the bigger picture. Um, and I, I think that's how you can somewhat avoid turnover and having people show up and just go through the motions um, so we, we try to do that in our businesses. We try to be very transparent, uh, you know, celebrate as a team. When we hit a milestone, you know, our salespeople, I want them to know how much it costs us to generate every opportunity that they go in to try to sell something. I think that's important for them to know and, and remember. Um, so, so I think all that makes a ton of sense. I imagine you get some pushback though, if, if you're, I mean, some of these things are, are hard adjustments to make. I imagine you run into some some ego challenges, you know, as, as a business owner, if you've built it from the ground up, it's your baby. And, and you know, no one wants to think their own baby's ugly. Right. So, I mean, how do, how do you push through some of that and, and any advice to the business owners out there to, to maybe kind of step back and look at their business the way you know, a coach like yourself would come in and look at it and, and, you know, maybe come to some hard realizations that uh, th there's some tough changes they're going to need to make. Well, it's, and I always try to figure out how to say this without sounding self-serving. The reality is it's extremely hard being in the business to really see what's going on kind of a thing. That's you've always done things. This is the way they're doing. Yeah. You realize that things are not necessarily working the way I want them to, but you're so far embedded into that that you really don't know. So to me, that's one of the biggest values of having an outside coach, an outside mentor, a board of director or board of advisors, whatever the case may be, because honestly, I can come in and see it from the outside. I can ask the dumb questions, say, okay, why are you doing things that way? Get you to think about it. Well, I don't know. That's just the way we've always done things kind of thing. So it's, it's having that outside perspective Honestly, just just bounce it on or get a, 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 another group or something like that involved kind of thing just to look at it. But that's that's one of the hardest things is truly stepping out. And I've had people say from a, a coaching perspective, it's like, yeah, we don't necessarily need the direct coaching, the direct teaching, but we like the accountability. We like, mm -hmm. honestly, you coming in on an annual basis to run our annual meetings so that the CEO is not having to run it. He can participate in the meeting kind of a thing. So yeah. I get that a lot of times just from a, a coaching standpoint is that the outside accountability, the outside questions are as much value as the actual information itself. But from taking it that next step further, to me, it, it all comes down to the numbers again. Do you know what the numbers are? If you don't, let's figure out what the numbers are. And then the numbers really don't lie. The, the numbers are pretty much black and white that if the numbers sit there and say, hey, we're failing in sales, then it doesn't matter that your best friend is in charge of sales. Sales is not working. We got an issue right there. That's what the numbers say. This is where we need to have the hard conversation. You can't say, hey, well, we just need more marketing. It's like, no, sales has already got a hole in the bottom of the bucket. They're, they're losing the marketing dollars they're spending because the numbers tell me that. So anytime people say, oh, I don't know what's going on or I don't, I can, I can tell a lot of times when they know what's going on and don't want to admit it, 
It's yeah. a matter of just pulling out the numbers and saying, okay, what's going on? Where, where are the numbers? And it's not just financial numbers. It's not just money in the bank. It's, it's literally, okay, looking at your entire customer journey, what are the numbers going through each of those steps? Is it really adding up here? And that typically points out the issue pretty easily. And then it's honestly up to them as to, okay, well, we know what the issue is. Do we really want to address it or not? And if they don't, then well, is what it is, but still, yeah. at least that's a lot harder to argue with right there when you're looking at real data. No doubt. No doubt. Um, you know, and, and quick plug for franchises because, you know, the, the numbers are so important. Like if you're in especially a, a more established franchise system, like we've we've actually got a call with um, the founder of one of the franchises that we own later today. And I reached out to him. I was like, hey, man, would you be willing to like, here's our, our P&Ls since we've opened. Uh, can we set up a call and just kind of go through it and, and see where we're off? I, I'm pretty sure I know. Right. I think our labor cost is too high as a percentage of revenue. I think we're probably a little bit higher cost of goods, but it seems close. But I want his eyes on it because he sees that for every other franchisee in the system. So he knows, you know, what those benchmarks should be. Whereas I'm I'm a little bit guessing at it because it's a newer business for us. Right. In our other business, I can tell you exactly, you know, down to the decimal point almost where, you know, we should be percentage of revenue wise. But so, so if you don't know the numbers, you got to get clear on that. If you don't know where the numbers should be compared to where they are today, you got to figure that out somehow too. Yeah, that's that's where you go get help. And I would even say from a from an entrepreneurial standpoint, that's your that's your outsource, your fractional CFO or your your yeah. accounting firm or whatever. Because again, they've got a bunch of different businesses. They've got those baselines set where yeah. they can tell, hey, for IT services, this is generally where each of these line items fall. Why, why is yours way off or way below kind of a thing? They can help with that from that outside perspective. But it really, to your point right there, it comes back to that outside perspective because you may simply not know. It's like you may know the numbers, but what are the numbers really telling me? I don't know necessarily. Yeah, like I know my numbers. I don't know if it's good or bad or, or what. But so, yeah, you got to figure that out. And and to your point, there there's definitely ways to, to figure that out uh, regardless of, the business you have or whether you're part of a, a franchise or anything like that, but uh, know, know your numbers. Uh, one of the best things we ever did was, was invest in a bookkeeping company across all of our businesses. My God, I used to pound my head on my desk trying to get QuickBooks caught up and not, not my forte. Oh yeah. Um, well, so, that's the key right there is recognizing that and saying, okay, yes, we need to end this off and let somebody else do it better. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, chances are it's, it's pretty easy to figure out. Like it's what makes you the most unhappy when you're working. It's probably the things you're not very good at or don't enjoy doing. Like that's an easy starting point. And then, you know, there may be things you enjoy doing that you're not as good at as, as someone else that you could bring in. I think where it gets tough is, you know, in order to scale and get to the next level, you can't do it all. So, you know, it's bringing in someone to take something off your plate that you love doing, you know, and, and yeah. you think you're the best at that's, that's where it gets tough. Um, so, I mean, what is, what is your, uh, kind of journey with a client kind of look like? I mean, is this more of a, a short-term relationship? Are you with them for the long haul? Do you kind of get them to a certain point? And then you're like, Hey, you guys are off to the races. Call me if you need anything. What, what does that kind of look like? 
Well, we actually do really two different paths, and it, it kind of depends upon the size of the business more than anything, because obviously the the early stage entrepreneur that's still early business kind of a thing, they don't have nearly as much resources as a more developed longer term business kind of a thing there. So on one hand, we actually have a more of a group coaching peer counsel type program where we're literally putting average 10 to 12 entrepreneurs together. A lot of times they're solo to maybe as many as 10 employees kind of a thing. They're, they're still pretty small business, but this gives them one, the lower price point for the coaching that we would bring to a one-on-one engagement. But it sure. also goes back to giving that peer counsel to where things say, Hey, anybody got this marketing thing figured out? I ain't got a clue, whatever. And, and leverage that group within there to say other expertise, share, share issues and things like that. And that's really an open-ended program. That's, that's as long as they're, mm-hmm. they're getting yeah. value into it. The other side is typically for larger companies or the people that want to have that one-on-one engagement. We'll deal one-on-one with the company, the founder, even the leadership team kind of a thing, if they've got it there to where we're working with that entire leadership team. And again, that that turns into honestly an open in an engagement there because I, I describe it as okay, I, I've got a whole tool truck here versus tools. Let's ha- sit down and have a conversation and figure out okay, which ones are the right ones to pull out and to teach at this point. So in some respects, I can do that indefinitely here, depending on what's going on, what phase of the business we're in, what issues we're dealing with today. But again, kind of going back to our early conversation, a lot of times it's the accountability. So we'll come in typically on a monthly basis uh, with those clients to say, okay, quick updates. Where, where's the projects that you said you're going to be working on? Where are they at this point? Do we need to take a look at strategy? We hadn't figured out really our brand differentiators. We hadn't figured out our long-term pinnacle goal. Do some work like that. Solve some issues kind of a thing. Is okay, we've got an issue here. Is that really the issue? Is that just a symptom? Kind of break it down mm. and build that on a monthly basis, quarterly, we come in and say, okay, look back. What was the last 90 days look like? Okay, let's plan for the next 90 days. And then I'll say, okay, CEO, boss, you got to go take this 90-day plan now, company-wide meeting and tell everybody, okay, here's our priorities for the next 90 days. So again, they all understand what's going on. And then we'll do the same thing at a bigger annual level to say, okay, what happened last year? Do we need to over? Do we need to adjust our overall strategy going forward as the market changed, has trends changed, et cetera, things like that? But that really just turns into an ongoing engagement there, as long as they see the value. Like I said, is it's they they come back in a lot of times and say, hey, just having that accountability, we know you're going to show up next month and ask us about this, so we get it done. Yeah. Versus the <laughs> if we, if we can do it internal, we can just we ah, it slipped another week this month, no big deal. Well, I, yeah, and I think when you've got a cost to it too, right? It, it's it's like, well, we got to do this because we're paying for it. Yeah. Whereas if if it's not, you know, and I, I think you mentioned earlier, um, you know, starting a business versus starting a franchise, you've got more upfront costs with a franchise. But this is something I, I tell people all the time is like, number one, most people overlook the cost they're going to have in the process of getting their business started, even if it's oh, not yeah. in like a, a lump sum franchise fee. Like you still need the technology. You still need the marketing and, and all of these things. But aside from that, I've seen, we've done this ourselves. We've started non-franchise businesses and walked away when it got hard because we didn't have any skin in the game. We we're like, screw this. You know, we'll go, go do something else. It's like, you sign that agreement, you, you write that check for the franchise fee. You're kind of burning the boats, you know, like you're going to you're going to stick it out when it gets tough. And it, it's kind of the same as as accountability. So I, I'm a big believer um, in, in how powerful 
accountability can be, especially if it's structured the right way. Um, you, I was say just kind of a plug on the franchise side, and I, I I really wish I could remember where I got this statistic, but it was somewhere I saw that just getting going down the franchise path automatically gives you a seven year jump in the life cycle of your business because you've got so much of that groundwork laid out from you versus the entrepreneurial side. Like I said, I'm having to figure out, okay, what's my branding message? What's my pricing structure look like? What's my market look like? You got to figure out all this stuff that you may or may not have expertise in in the first place. So it takes a lot longer that, yeah, it only costs me the the, the legal Zoom pricing structure to, to set up my company, but it's going to cost you a lot more in the time to figure things out, the investment to learn and relearn and try again, et cetera, kind of stuff here. So it's, there's definitely costs on both sides there for sure. Some people just like the, the do it yourself route, which is perfectly fine versus other people said, Hey, give me the proven path. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's, it, it's a good point. And, and I haven't heard that exact statistic, but it, it totally makes sense to me. Like our, our first franchise that, that we uh, started is almost four years in. And, and I, would be very confident in saying that the the revenue we generate in that business, uh, the profits that we see from that business, the income that it provides for us, yeah, it would have taken us at least seven or eight years if we were starting that from scratch um, to 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 get to where we are in that business today. Um, and that's that's you know how I've come to think of franchising is it kind of gives you the ability to run faster. Uh, there's pros and cons, and and like we've both yeah. hit on, you know, one may be right for one person, one may be right for another. I, you know, I've worked with a lot of people over the years to help them get into a franchise. They're very proven entrepreneurs. They've built businesses from scratch. You know, sometimes they're just at a different point in their life where they're like, "Hey, I, I want another business, but I don't have another 15 years to try to figure it out. Like, I just want to get into yeah. something and get going, <laughs> right? And and get to the the, the cash flow uh, and the profitability phase a little bit faster. Um, so it, I think it really just depends on on kind of what you're you're looking for. Um, you mentioned something earlier I wanted to to get your thoughts on. You mentioned depending on what what phase the business is in. Uh, we've talked a lot about scalability here today. Um, do you believe, you know, just based on your experience, should a company always be looking to continue to scale? Assuming that's the goal of the owner, right? Is is to build a a business that's larger than them, or are there phases that a company gets to or can get to where it makes sense to pump the brakes a little bit? You know, maybe maybe reorganize before they step on the gas to to try to keep scaling. Well, to me, it really determines or depends upon how you, for that matter, how you define scale. If scale is simply more, if it's more people, more customers, more whatever, bigger facilities, more facilities, more locations, then yeah, that's that's not a, I don't necessarily know if that's a steady growth. I think there's a strategy involved with that. I think there's a, a constant evaluation, really, because take where we are right now kind of a thing. Nobody, nobody saw a, a global pandemic coming kind of thing. Things happen. So yeah, you do have to pause and kind of say, okay, is this necessarily the time to be investing more? It may well be. Or is this the time to kind of say, hey, let's let's hedge our bets here. Let's, let's keep some cash reserves. So I think from a, a growth perspective like that, 
Yes, there, there's a there's right times and wrong times depending upon the business, and it's mm-hmm. it varies to me based upon the business. Sure. The other side of it, though, from a scaling perspective, looking at almost more the saleability of the business, the long term future there. I think it's never you never stop reinvesting into the business itself to say, okay, how do we better turn it? I always joke to say, hey, yeah, what, what we want to do is turn your entrepreneurial business into a franchise. Treat it as if you yeah. were going to franchise it. Mm-hmm. Even if you may never plan to be that way, Sure, we always want to be building it with that mentality in mind. So if nothing else, you can go take a, a vacation on the beach or when that surprise investor does show up on your door and say, hey, I want to write you a check for this. You can actually say, okay, Instead of, like I said, them looking under the covers and saying, well, never mind. Let's yeah, all three zeros <laughs> off of that. Here. Yeah, they start <laughs> digging and they're like, nah, never mind. False start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that from that aspect of scaling to say, yes, building up the, the foundation, building up that infrastructure. I think that's a that, that's something you work at from day you start till day you're done kind of a thing with the company. That's that's never one that stops. But from a going back to earlier conversation, from a pure hiring standpoint or things like that. Yes, there's certain times, there's certain industry environment kind of factors, there's certain uh, life cycle factors kind of a thing in the business to say, okay, this is the time to hire versus this is not. And honestly, that there's no rhyme or reason necessarily to that, that businesses operate differently kind of a thing. So it's it really, sure. that one's kind of unique per business. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense to me. And I mean, to me, when I think of scaling, I also think of, yeah, I think most people think of, you know, growth, right? increasing revenues, probably more employees, more clients, all of that. You know, to me, I think of scaling also as operating more efficiently, right? So like you've talked about building the foundation, having better systems and processes, because that's how businesses get more profitable. I mean, generating more revenue and having more clients does not necessarily mean that the business is growing from a profit standpoint. Yeah. Um, especially if you're looking at profit margin, like what's your profit as a percentage of revenue, uh, it may even go down, right? It may translate to more dollars if your revenue is growing enough, but the the margin may go down. That's going to impact, you know, what what your business is valued at if and when you're ready to sell it. So, I mean, to me, part of scaling is is getting more efficient. I would agree. You never want to stop working on that because um, that's going to ultimately likely result in you having a more profitable business that requires less of your time as as the owner. Yeah. And that's speaking specifically to that. That's one I always look at when when people are talking about top line revenue dollars. It's like that honestly doesn't mean a lot to me. I, I would much rather see what's your profitability, what's your percentage of profit there, because you can have pick your numbers. You can have a $200 million revenue company that's only 10% profitable versus a $20 million revenue company that's 50% profitable. One of those is a whole lot more fun to work in and work with and things like that. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, so it's really looking at that profitability, that efficiency. So yes, you can scale the company from an efficiency standpoint, from that foundational standpoint to help raise that profitability line while maintaining the revenue or even bringing the revenue down at that point. Cause I've, I've seen companies really growing, really trying to build that revenue number that are effectively putting themselves out of business because they're not looking at the rest of the numbers. It's like you can you can grow yourself out of business at that point if you're not careful. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Um, so a lot of the audience is aspiring entrepreneurs, right? So they're not in business yet. They they have that drive. They want to be in business for themselves. They may, may already have an idea of what, what business they want to start. They may not have a clue. 
They may just know that they want to go out and build something for themselves. What advice would you give to the aspiring entrepreneur out there to, to set them again, assuming, you know, their goal in building a business is something larger than just themselves. What are some things that a lot of people miss that they might be able to put in place from day one to make it a little bit easier to scale their business? I would even say that even for the ones that are just trying to effectively build themselves a job, it's still the same thing going into it. And it's, I always go back to, to it's an Albert Einstein quote of basically saying, keep everything as simple as possible, but not simpler. It's, it's, mm. we always overcomplicate things. It's like, you don't need to have the, the, the full Maserati kind of car kind of a thing just to go from point A to B. It's like, what, what's the simplest, in some respects, cheapest, but what's the simplest way to get from point A to B? And really, before you start jumping into that, because that's that's one area where I am, I tend to jump too fast, and that's a lot of visionaries there, but build out that plan. And again, it's not some big fancy business plan or anything like that. I actually lay out the strategy for most of my clients on two pieces of paper kind of thing. It's, it's, it's really all you need, but simply looking at who you're going to be as a company. Okay, what, why are we doing this? Why Again, who and why right there to say, okay, who we are, why are we doing this? What's What's the point in building this business? And then look at, okay, from a, a strategy standpoint, again, you got to set that longer term goal. So I, I was with a, a more developed company. I'll say, hey, we need to set it out at 10 or 15 years to say, okay, what's, what's your long-term goal, your long-term strategy there? And then start bringing that back down to say, okay, if that's 15 years out, then in, we know in three to five years, we need to be here in order to reach that. Okay, now what do we need to accomplish this year in order to reach three to five? And then bring it all the way back down to the quarter. So you've got smaller. It's the whole adage of how do you eat an elephant? It's like one bite at a time. I know exactly what I need to do in the next 90 days. These projects have to be done in 90 days in order to reach each one of these milestones. And when you can start bringing that back down like that, then it's a lot easier to say, okay, I'm just staying on track. I'm doing it one piece at a time here, rather than just jumping in and saying, I'm going to try to do everything. And do none of it well at that point. It's it's take a little bit of time and don't don't overthink it again. Keep it simple, but still figuring out that that bit of a roadmap right there to say, okay, where are we going? How are we going to get there? And then who are we just as a company right there? Figure out that little bit of strategy right there. And again, I'm I'm happy to walk anybody through that. It's a little two page document kind of a thing there, just a real quick, simple. Figure out again your strategy, your purpose, your direction. Then at least you got a roadmap to start walking down and the actual steps, they're going to vary for everybody at that point. But the biggest idea is just keeping it simple at that point, because we tend to overcomplicate really yeah. easy. I think that's great advice. And, and I think having that roadmap is so important too, because we know things don't always go as planned, right? So when that curveball or, or that global pandemic comes out of left field, uh, it distracts you, at least temporarily. It's good to kind of be able to get back to, to the plan at some point to, to help you get refocused. And, and maybe the pandemic's not a great example because a lot of people's business plans have changed probably permanently due to that. But, you know, when, when the, the day-to-day uh, distractions and unexpected events happen, it, it helps to have that roadmap to get you refocused instead of just kind of spiraling out of control from there. Well, so, it just helps you keep on track because I, yeah. I will look at it and say a lot of entrepreneurs are the visionary type mindset, which means Definitely. we start chasing squirrels that show up. So yeah. it's it's the the top sales guy that comes along and says, hey, I, I like your company, hire me kind of a thing. And you look at your roadmap and say, well, it's not quite on the roadmap right now. That's a year off. 
you can say no to that, right? You can give yourself permission to say, no, not right now. I'm not going down that path or the, the new product opportunity. Well, this, this area of the market's flaring up right now. Should we shift mm-hmm. direction? Also try to expand in this market? No, our plan says we're going down here. Doesn't mean the plan's locked in stone by any means, but right. it gives you that measuring stick to say, okay, this is where we're going. There's a reason we set this out initially. Does it make sense to add in a second or third product line? Does it make sense to, well, it's a little early, but we'll go ahead and pull the trigger on this higher. Make the judgment call at that point, but at least you've got that initial plan laid out to say, okay, this is this was why we were going down this route and make calls based upon that rather than kind of the gut feel of, hey, shiny object again, let's go chase it. Yeah. Well, I think that that's all really good advice. Um, any other advice you'd offer up for the aspiring entrepreneur out there? I mean, you left corporate America. I imagine uh, that was scary. I know that's one of the biggest things that holds people that I work with back from from ever making a move is they uh, they like the idea of it. They know they want to do it, but they can't ever quite, as I call it, drop in because it's it's scary. It's uncertain. It's uncomfortable. Um, any advice for someone that's stuck there? Well, in my situation, we, we had a hard cut over. We, we, we just made it hard one day. Of, okay. This is, this is going over. And I wouldn't necessarily recommend that for, for most people I would say starting a business. I would say it, it needs to be your, your nights and weekends, your, your mm. whatever hobby at that point to start looking at it because you need to go in and, and I'll even have business owners come to me and say, Hey, can you coach me or whatever? And say, no, it's, it's too early for you. Mm. You need yeah. to know you got to have a product or a service out there in the market that somebody's going to pay you for before you do anything else. That's that's absolutely critical. I always describe media, et cetera, we glorify the concept of startup. Startup's nothing more than pure survival of can I get a product or a service to market, get somebody to pay me for it before I run out of money. That, that's yeah. all startup is. Like why, why anybody willingly wants to go into that phase is, I don't know, but it's like we've got to get beyond that phase as quickly as you can to where, hey, we're actually starting to make some money that's the point where, okay, we bring in outside resources. We start thinking about scaling because again, there's only so many hours a day. If, if you're the one doing marketing and sales and you're making the widgets and you're trying to collect for them, there's only so many hours in the day, but it's at that point, you've at least validated the concept before mm-hmm. you make that jump, before you make that leap, keep the, the, the income or the, the health insurance or whatever you can right there as long as possible to start giving yourself that ramp up. Because as soon as you cut that off, the timer's running at that point. And if you don't have a business that's not bringing in any money, you're, you're on an hourglass sitting there running right there. So that's, that's always my thing is people, oh, I'm tired of the corporate grind. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go do something else. Like, yeah, but if you can smooth out that transition kind of a thing. And it, it, it does work. It does happen without it, but it's, it can be a lot rougher at that point for sure. Well, and, and I think it it can force you to make bad decisions too. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I, I even, as part of the coaching I do with people when it comes to a franchise is, you know, we talk about, all right, are you going to go cold turkey? You know, leave your job, go into this full time. There's definitely franchises out there that are set up more, you know, semi-absentee. So if you want to stay in your job, at least temporarily, you can do that, get the business going, get it ramped up. But, you know, especially if it's someone that's going to be, you know, leaving an income, to, to start this, we talk about, all right, how much financial runway do you have? And I'm not talking about for operating capital for the business. I'm talking about to pay the bills and, and to live yeah. off of, right? Because I've seen it too many times where the money starts running out. You start worrying about how you're going to pay the bills. And then you start making really bad business decisions because you're like, how can I start pulling money out of the business? You start acting more out of desperation and 
and things start to spiral from there. So, no, I, I think that's all really, really good advice as well. Um, I, I think we're coming up on a stop here. I know you told me that you've got another meeting. So um, we'll go ahead and, and wrap this up, Jeff. Um, where can people connect with you? Where can they learn more about your services uh, and, and even reach out to have a conversation if they'd like to? Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, a couple of different options. Uh, Admentus, A-D-M-E-N-T-U-S dot com is the website. That's the company. All the information's up there. Uh, Building to Scale, B-U-I-L-D-I-N-G, is our podcast and several of the other resources out there. So like I said, we're, we're always talking with either business owners or other experts about scaling business kind of a thing there. So if they're ever interested, feel free to jump over there. But yeah, either Admentus.com or BuildingToScale.com, either one right there. And like I said, always just happy to have a conversation. Anybody's got questions or whatever. I, I don't do the the lawyer by the minute rights or anything like that. I, I'm just, I'm always happy to learn about new business owners kind of a thing. So yeah, always just fun having conversations. Totally agree and really enjoyed this conversation. We'll link the website and the podcast in the show notes to make it easy for people to find. Uh, Jeff, man, really appreciate it. Uh, appreciate what you're doing to, to help small business owners out there. I think it's, as I said earlier, it's a much needed service and I've enjoyed getting to know you. Glad we were able to uh, get you here on the podcast. So appreciate you making time for it and dropping in here on the Path to Freedom podcast. Thank you very much. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path2FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.